Dark Society podcast episode one. Um, we're here with Dimes to discuss uh, AI. Um, but before we begin, I just wanted to go over real quick uh, what the Sunflower Society is. Uh, we are a group of people who are um, creating interesting art. We're discussing interesting ideas and ongoing trends. And we're kind of looking towards what the future might hold rather than uh, what a traditionalist may look for in the past. We're aiming for taking what's worth in the past and then remixing it, reviving it and putting it towards the future. And uh, to that end, we're discussing AI today. Uh, how are you doing, Dimes? I'm doing very, very well. Thanks for having me, by the way. I'm really excited to be here. I'm an avid fan of the Sunflower Society. Well, I'm a. I'm really glad you decided to join me because um, I think um, your podcast, Blood Satellite, I listen to it all the time while I'm driving, and I uh, have to watch out sometimes because I end up laughing and, you know. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. Anyway, it's great. It's a great podcast, and we love it. And uh, thank you again, and also thank you for. Um, and I'm going to plug our magazine as well for uh, writing a excellent short story for our magazine uh, that came out uh, last month. And uh, if you haven't already, I recommend everybody check it out over at t.me slash Sunflower Society. Uh, it's one of the pinned ones, but I kind of end up pinning a lot of memes in between. Thank you for saying it was good. Someone I respect very, very dearly. You know what mm -hmm. he said? He said it was a good effort. How's that for a fine? How do you fucking do? I know, I know. I was talking to a good friend of mine today, um, and I asked him if he had read it yet, and he's like, "No, it's on my to read list." I was like, "It's been out for a month, man. Like, come on." You know what? Tell, tell, let me tell you this: if it, unless it's praise, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. It's only positive vibes when it comes to the things that I write. If you're out here throwing <laughs> negative contracts at me, I go tisk tisk. <laughs> oh man. So one of these days we're going to get AI to automate all those great takes I just gave. Well, actually they kind of already are. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, I posted it on the Sunflower Society last week, but um, I also posted it in the Blood Satellite chat and it was Joe Rogan talking to Steve Jobs. Um, they had put Steve Jobs into the AI and Joe Rogan, obviously, into the AI, and they were able to simulate a discussion between the two, and they even had the voices synthesized. That I think it's telling that they picked a guy that no one could probably tell what he would say or sound like. <laughs> like I like Steve Jobs, but I'm like, if you if I met Steve Jobs on the street right now and talked to him, I could not tell you if he was an android. Well, you you'd be, I mean, he you would be shocked, I think, for another reason because he's dead, but. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, you know, replicating autistic people is very easy. It's pretty to pass easy. The yeah, pass the Turing test with that. Yeah, do um, Christopher Walken and get back to me. <laughs> yeah, you like, could get, but again, I won't be able to tell if. It's yeah, it's true because he's got like that weird, that weird, uh, yes, uh, sentence structure that he does. It's just like, yeah, nah, who would who would be a good example for that i don't know but yeah let's see when you're trying to make an algorithm that passes the turing test you must start with a human being who does not already seem like a malfunctioning droid <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so we got zuckerberg and steve jobs talking to each other 
fucking talk to me what you can do early Al Pacino, not current Al Pacino. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I, I, di- I didn't actually see that, but that is interesting. I know Joe Rogan is one of the few guys who's talking about this. And I, I'm not sure I like that Lex Friedman is the one who is owning the conversation on this entire thing. Yeah, I didn't realize he was um, at the moment. Like, that's pretty <clears throat> that's pretty unfortunate because Lex Friedman, I mean, speaking of AI, um, is kind of weirdly astroturfed. And I don't know if you've gone on any of his podcast um, comment section or any video. The weird part, like comment section, sure. Like he's got his sycophants and fans saying like, oh, he's so great. But it's it, two things about the comments. They're never... I think they're AI, to be honest, because they're never, or not AI, but they're um, bots at the very least. And they're always very positive towards him. And like any related video to him is people saying some variation of the same thing of like, he's such a great interviewer. He's such a great whatever. And it's never like an in-depth thought. It's always just like the same kind of generic praise. Yeah, someone will write a comment that says he's really come a long way as an interviewer, yes. which is an inhuman thing to say. Yes, he's come a long way as an interviewer, and it's like he's not even been around that long. So, like, what do you mean he's come a long way? Like, you're talking about like he is a guy with Down syndrome who just gave a speech in the auditorium. I'm like, okay, look, he's not. He's like to me. I will full disclosure. I do like mm-hmm. Lex Freeman just because I like listening to the people he has on. I like listening to like weird. But that's Joe Rogan too, right? Well, that's the thing. It used to be him. Then he kind of mm-hmm. stopped. And so for me, I'm like, look, I can see Lex Freeman kind of slinking in to st- to fill that hole in the marketplace. However, right. it, it does seem that he, he lacks all charisma. So mm-hmm. for anyone to feel any strong, positive, way about him seems strange to me i'm like okay he's kind the whole idea is he's kind of like a blank slate yeah like he's like a man in black yeah he's not he's not like you don't have i like i like my visceral or my reaction not visceral reaction but my reaction to him is very much like mostly neutral and the only reason i'm like i'm like slightly suspicious of him because he's so bland and you know what he's now becoming annoying I saw an interview he did with Destiny today, and he's becoming this, like, a hippie guy. He's talking about how, you know, I'm all about choosing love right now. And again, have you never been on his Telegram? No, but it's also unnerving to hear that come out of a voice that sounds, again, like a robot. Yeah, I'm all about, I'm all about love, human. I will not murder you. Yeah. No one says that. No one no. and cuz he was making fun of Destiny. I'm not like a huge Destiny stan mm-hmm. or anything, but actually yeah. I don't mind him of the, that type of guy. But he was cuz he was just talking about how he doesn't like vouch or something. And right. he's like, you know, I'm all about I'm all about love. A grown man can never say I'm all about love. That is something a 14-year-old yeah. guy who just found out about the Beatles says. You, you have 1 year where you're allowed to say that. Yeah. You got one year where you're allowed to wear a scarf. You got one year where you're allowed to say, maybe we should try love. And if you do that for more than a year, uh, you go to jail. Well, I mean, you know what my motto is. It's uh, give war a chance. So, <laughs> Like I always say, the laughing <laughs> hands motto. <laughs> give war a chance. Oh, um, man. So on the topic of AI, I'm, try- I'm not yeah. trying to jump into like interviewing no, no. you either. Like, that's totally reasonable. Um 
yeah, like let's talk about AI. I, mean, I was curious about mm-hmm. you because you seem to have a very like a passion for I don't want to call it futurism, but let's say the future mm-hmm. in general and AI. So I suppose we can start by saying for you, for the Sunflower Society, yeah. what caused you to have an interest in this and maybe not philosophy or it maybe crosses over to that. But what about this really interests you in a personal level? Right. I think it's because I think philosophy, while nice, I've realized, like I took, so I don't want to give too much of my background, but I, I've definitely taken my fair share of philosophy courses in university and I've read a lot of the Greeks and everything. But I think for me, it's like, that's useful information on some level. And, you know, again, I, I'm a Christian, I study the Bible a lot, and I feel like the Bible is very practical philosophy in a lot of ways. Um but I also feel like, you know, technology is so integral to our daily lives. Like Elon Musk said this a while back, and I think he's 100% correct. He said, we're already cyborgs. We just haven't integrated it yet. And I think that's entirely true. Um, like we have cell phones on us at any moment. We can pull up any data. We can crunch numbers at any point. We can do all these amazing things. And none of it from within ourselves. We have to have it. Um, it's not. It's not like our own biology. It's completely technology. And so, you know, looking at the forward, looking or looking forward, I think is a better posture for us as people than to be constantly clinging backwards. And this is coming from somebody who genuinely enjoys reading Ted Kaczynski, but I think I fundamentally disagree with his. Um, outlook i think he he, his prescription is maybe wrong or rather that the genie can never be put back in the bottle and so we need to just um aim forward and so aim forward positively with a uh you know growth mindset kind of situation if that makes sense that's that's a very interesting point and i agree uh when you talk about like ted kaczynski because a lot of us will read um i think came out with a book recently actually i haven't read i think it's called technological slavery yes and a lot of people will agree with his assessment and they'll agree with sort of the poetry of the world he's envisioning in, in the sense that you know tyler durden might talk about the same thing in fight club this 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 tableau of what the future could be stalking elk on an abandoned overpass and whatnot right but but i agree that he's not terribly realistic with mm-hmm. I, like unless it's some total cataclysm where billions die which again knowing our listeners will probably be like yay but you know (laughs) for those who might want to reel in the fantasies of mass genocide because it won't be fun you know we have to think like what is the most realistic and i guess i have you know i was watching an interview the other day Mm-hmm. Um, I came across this interview with on Glenn Beck's channel. I'm not a follower of Glenn Beck, but he was interviewing this woman named Whitney Webb. And okay. she seems smart enough. And I don't have nothing against her. But the topic of transhumanism came up. And I find even with a lot of mainstream conservatives, they're mm-hmm. talking about transhumanism in the same way our side talks with transhumanism. In very real terms, um, like Elon Musk. When Elon Musk went on Joe Rogan and he had, he said... And this is probably a good way to start this talk. Like he had talked about artificial intelligence with the same tone of the atom bomb. 
he, right. he had his sort of gravity in his voice about how it's inevitable and we need to get ahead of this thing. We can't turn the clock back. It's on, it, you know, whatever, it's coming. Yeah. We have to figure out what we're going to do about it. And then I hear this woman in Glenn Beck, a lot of the mainstream Christian guys talking about transhumanism, same sort mm-hmm. of thing, AI. And they're talking about like, you know, they, you know, they're trying to push transhumanism on us. And I think a place to start, like you had just mentioned, was to say, is transhumanism already here? And yeah. answer the question that inevitably comes to people like us, which is, explain to me why transhumanism is bad. And I think a lot of people get tripped up at that, especially if you lead with what you just said, which is, we're already kind of doing it. Yeah, we're already. Yeah, I, I would say we're already transhuman. Like, we're just, you know, things like AI, cybernetics, um, which we may or may not get. Like, I don't know, like, you'd. I'm not sure like they've been testing it on pigs and stuff. And I feel like you might need anti-rejection drugs. Um, like um, ironically, like Deus Ex human revolution ended up predicting that, I suppose. Um, but like, you know, looking at, at it from that perspective, uh, I think we're already there. Uh, I think we're just maybe um, starting to get it more widely distributed. Um, I, f- I forget who said it. I think it was the guy who wrote, um, Neuromancer, whose name is slipping William my mind. William Gibson. Right William Gibson. He said, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. And I think that continues to be true. That is accurate. And, um, you know, I, I've told this story before on the show. But before I forget, the show I run is called Blood Satellite. I host that with my mm-hmm. co-host, Judas. Bloodsatellite.ca, if people want to check that out. Yeah, go what, check what that out. The, one of our earlier clips I discussed, um, I work in marketing, so that's probably going to come up on this episode. Uh, working yeah. for, for just a shade over a decade now. And I've worked in many different uh, capacities. I've worked at agencies. I've worked client side. I've worked with nonprofits. I've worked with startups. Um, so one of the clients, and I'm not going to name any clients I worked with, so you're all going to have to take my word for it. If you don't want to, I wish you would. So I worked with one client that was dealing with the longevity movement. Now, people can look that up. People can Google this. It's a well-known thing, the longevity movement. It is what it sounds like. It is the uh, intersection of science and technology and social science and politics to effectively cure death. Right. And if you look it up, you can find websites. This might cross over into like the World Health Organization Agenda 21 stuff. It certainly does. But mm-hmm. it's it's not even conspiratorial because it lines up completely with the Hippocratic Oath. It lines up with, you know, the well-meaning liberal mind, which is wouldn't you like to cure suffering? Wouldn't you like to live in a world where children don't die? That's how it always starts. Yeah. But it's um, I worked with a client who was kind of working on some material to popularize it. And there's it's not one shadowy organization. It's it's just a bunch of like startups and labs around the world who are working at this in different capacities. So uh, for example, this is where it crosses into transhumanism. That's why I'm saying all this stuff. But essentially uh, what you get is you'll have one lab that is very, very good at making it so our cells don't decay. That's one aspect of aging. You know, you age just because your body can't really uh, keep up anymore. So that's one thing. So Making it so we don't have cell death as much is relatively easy. Um, Not easy, but it is possible. But what's very difficult is memory. So curing Alzheimer's is a completely different thing. So you can make a... I just read an article today 
what the fuck was it? I got to find it. But it was an article about how, you know, they would uh, ha- they had these pig carcasses that c- they could essentially reanimate with this right electrical surge or something. And it wasn't just a telegram thing. I yeah. read it on this a is, real this site. This isn't on, uh, uh, was it Alt Skull or anything like that? Yeah, well, it's hey, hey, no, no, Alt no, Skull I, uh, no. Some... <laughs> Alt Skull has some great stuff. I, I, I'm not throwing shade. Sometimes yeah. though, you're like, yeah, mm, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. He knows I'm not a big fan of the flat Earth stuff, but we we can still yeah. be best friends. No, but he's um, so, but that's the thing. It's actually this is the Frankenstein's monster thing. It's actually mm-hmm. not that difficult to reanimate a body, reanimating the mind. Well, they were trying else. to do that in the 19th century, right? Like when they first discovered electricity, they're like, we can do this. Um, now we're just fulfilling that dream. Yeah. So the body is one thing. The mind is another stopping because in a lot of ways, the decay of the mind is something we don't really understand. We understand to a mm-hmm. point, but how memories work. And, um, this is where, as you start with the practical, you get almost into the metaphysical, which is if a human being, the, the claim is, and I've seen this on websites before, it's like they think, and, and billionaires across the world are getting in on this. Why yeah. wouldn't they? They're saying within our lifetime, you might be able to see someone who can live to 200 years. That's the benchmark, 200 years. Yeah. It makes you wonder, though, at, we don't know what a 200-year-old mind is like. We don't know if that person becomes an almost entirely different person by the year 200. You know, what constitutes a human mind, you know, because we, we, we know how to bookend a life at around 80 years, but if you double that, do you, that just, it, will you increase your likelihood to go insane? You know, how do we redefine insanity? Things like that. You right. get into real yeah. trippy territory, but this starts off with the best intentions. This is transhumanism. Why, why can't grandma live to 200 years? Don't you, are we not here to conquer death? This mm-hmm. is the question that many science-minded people will ask. And that that puts you in a very precarious position because now you need to be pro-death if indeed you disagree with that. And I, right. I we say that as half of a meme. Like, you know, everyone on our yeah, side says, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-death. Death. Yeah. Nuke them all. Billions must die. Billions must die. I got a closet full of skull masks. Right. However, you know, it's it's very difficult to take that position really in the public space and but you have to mount a case for death you need to mount and you you know well that's I think what many part Christ- of the- sorry yeah, sorry go ahead. i was gonna say many christians are probably used to that like you could probably mount a spiritual case for it but sorry i cut you off there no i was gonna say i think that's like i mean if i think about the covid situation right it's like you want to kill grandma right it's like you you are pro-death um if you're not for this vaccine or you're not for this thing or that thing um, I think that's kind of, but the ironic thing is to me, the more we push towards anti-death in that regard, the more we get things like, um, assisted suicide and stuff being pushed. So it's like, it's like a two sided coin. And this kind of comes back to the AI thing is like, why would they want to extend people's lives when AI is going to be replacing most of them and, and they won't be necessary anymore? It's a, and that's the problem you get into. This is why it's so decentralized that there isn't one master plan. I don't believe there's a few no. running concurrently. Um, I think that the core it's to end suffering. This is mm-hmm. sort of the grand liberal project where, and I, I, maybe I'm using the word liberal flippantly. I think that's kind of a, a meme on our side to call everything we don't like liberal. I, I think it's <laughs> it's something a bit more nuanced than that. But 
the point being that they want yeah. to end suffering. There's you can end suffering in a few ways. You could increase life and happiness forever. Or if you're convinced suffering is permanent, you can put a terminus at the end of that sentence. And that's in Canada where we are to make it real. Right. That's the medical assistance and dying thing that's very popular right now. Yeah. I uh yesterday I saw a tweet where it was like, um, if you're a, a cure for being poor or something it was like it was like this was the I was like here for being poor made and I was like become a, or, or like made and I was like oh, are they suggesting you become a maid or something like or get a maid and I was like no it's an acronym for medically assisted induced death exactly and the other headline that went along with that was are, should we approve medical assistance medical whatever it is medical yeah. assistance in dying I always thought it was in dying because I'm a yeah. big fat idiot it's but, a big mid. <laughs> maids women but um <laughs> the idea is that they're trying to push it to kids like oh if a child is suffering right and we know they're going to suffer or die soon do we have the should ought we have the ability to end that suffering so now once again you are in the unenviable position of being on the side pro of child suffering. suffering yeah i'm pro child suffering but like i think like that's the, it's like this weird dichotomy um, that we're going through right now. It's like we must extend everyone's lives forever, but also offer them de swift death. It's very strange. Because um, on both ends of that, the, the, both prongs of that statement are like, we. there is no inherent value in life. Because both those mm -hmm. are like, yeah, I can do it forever or don't. That, yeah, that was actually yeah. a, a line on <laughs> Blood Satellite. We had the, actually, it's on our, our store, Good Suffered. It's our store. I'm not trying to plug it, yeah. but it was Live Forever or Don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that's basically it. It sounds retarded, right? But then that's yeah. also public policy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the Justice Trudeau, you know, coming out and announcing. But what's interesting is every step along the transhumanist path, it's you're being asked questions. And if you don't right. have an answer to them, and people aren't really equipped to answer these questions. Go right. ask an average person, do you think children should suffer or would would you shoot them in the head? These, First right. of all, these are very rare cases, almost statistically negligible, but mm -hmm. they're being used to forward this larger movement, which is why it's so nefarious. Right. And that's why I think like, Again, going back to what I said before, like, I feel like for a lot of people in, I guess, the wider dissident, right, though, I, you know, it's funny, I don't really count myself as part of it in a way, you know, just because like, I don't know how I would fit into that. But well, it's part of you. It's part of me. It doesn't care. Politics may not care about <laughs> you, but it cares. You may not care about politics. It cares about you. Um, but um, there's kind of this like inherent anti-tech, anti, even in a lot of ways, um, engaging with these things. They're just kind of like, this is crazy or this is bad or this is whatever. Um, I'm trying to push forward kind of the thesis that, no, we need to engage with it and we need to understand it and we need to kind of learn how to work within it. And, and if we can learn how to work within it and deal with it first, we get the advantage, right? Like we take the, we take the reins. Yeah. I, I think one, a couple issues on the distant right is uh, we overestimate our ability, both in present and historically to withstand things like this. And right. we also, in my opinion, uh, overestimate the 
seductiveness of what we're bringing to the table this sort of ted kaczynski idea it's really no broads like this stuff and that's a problem and everyone says well just force them to okay yeah come back when you're ready to have a serious conversation yeah because like you're not going to just force everybody to move out of the cities and become based cowboy hippies uh that also hate the antichrist like that's just not happening okay mr uh king priest rapist we'll yeah. we'll come get you when we need you in the meantime we're gonna have a real fucking conversation i'm yeah, not talking thanks, to you uh... i'm gesturing to my side to the empty door beside me <laughs> <laughs> mr uh juice Lair, uh 420 uh you can leave now um <laughs> if one day someone could call me king priest rapist i wouldn't turn it down but yeah I mean, we don't we don't that's... give out that title yeah, that's you actually have to earn that with a. You have, uh, that. you have to earn that one. That's after the fifteenth prestige. Yeah, people yeah. are listening. To this like, what's his deal? Is he pro or anti? What what is he? I'm like, I'm. <laughs> I walk between the raindrops. Is what I am. Yeah, exactly. You're uh, you're he who walks with the rain, as the Indians would call you. But I was gonna just to clarify what we're talking about. The reason we're talking about transhumanism. Mm-hmm in very, you know, corporeal terms, like the body, is because I believe AI sits at the center of that. Yes. Um, and there's no conversation to have about transhumanism where AI isn't at least involved. I agree, uh, 100%. And I think, I mean, we're already seeing, like, okay, let, let's use an example. The one that everybody knows. Um, and, and I want to first highlight how quickly we've moved in terms of AI in just one year. Um, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was even thinking about this. It wasn't on anybody's radar, unless you're like a super nerd geek like me. Um, AI was not really a thing that was showing up on people's radar. Then January, I looked this up. January 5th was when Doll E first came out. That's only 11 months ago. That's like insane. And then in August, we get Mid Journey and we get uh, Stable Diffusion at the same, the same month. So that's like, in not even one year, we're moving from like really, like I'm sure, I don't know if everybody's used Dolly, but if you've used Dolly, it's kind of like absurdist, the kind of uh, art, if you want to call it art, uh, I I would call it art, the AI art that gets printed out uh, is very absurdist. It's kind of weird. Uh, Faces are completely distorted, etc. You know, in August, Mid Journey comes out. Um, this is another one of these AI. These are AI art generators. For those that don't know, Mid Journey comes out. This one's a pay. Uh, you pay it for it, um, and it has pretty high quality. Um, and then also at the same time, Stable Diffusion comes out, and Stable Diffusion is another one of these. But this one's free, and you can actually run it on your computer at home. And you can. Uh, and all of these AIs are trained on all of the pictures that are on the internet currently. So they do have, um, so mid journey and Dolly have like not safe for work and like protection filters on there, which I actually think are necessary because, um, I saw there on telegram, there was a stable diffusion chat, uh, where you could just prompt it and it would put stuff out, but it didn't have a not safe for work filter on it. Um, the guy quickly jumped in because, uh, literal pedophiles were like typing in like really creepy prompts. Thankfully, the AI was not advanced enough or whatever to understand what that meant, or maybe like didn't have enough data to train on, thankfully, because it probably didn't scrape the dark web. But like, 
yeah, the guy who was running that channel like stepped in and was like, nope, not safe for work filters back on. Like, we're not doing this. A- anything you try, any new project, pedophiles will be the first ones through the fucking door. And yeah. that's just the way, you know, the thing that got yeah. 8chan in trouble. Yeah, that's also Facebook. That's fucking everywhere. They're like everywhere. the most weirdly tech savvy people in the world. So you almost need to plan for that right away. Yeah, and that's why I think places like Midjourney and Dolly like thought about that before they even did it. Like they're like, no, we're not going to even allow this, which I think is wise. Um, Can we do something cool ever? When they start building the fucking rockets, there's pedophiles in there trying to be like, oh, can we go to a child rape planet? Any new (laughs) shit we're doing. You want to see what it was like inventing the fucking car? Yeah. Oh, I can, I can drive to Child Rape Island faster. No, we're trying to go to the store. Exactly. <laughs> With the Child Rape store? No, the milk store. It's like, can it's we drive never faster ending. to Epstein's Island? Can we drive? <laughs> there was the always Eternal Epstein's, Epstein's Island. Island. <laughs> Epstein's Island is actually like this place that has existed throughout history. It's like the game Control. It's the oldest house. That's going to be a weird reference if people don't know that game. I have no idea what that means. Well, there's a few people listening who are like, wow, this Dimes guy, he's, he knows. he's got a good head. On his oh, shoulder. wait. Yeah, I've played Control. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if, you're, if you're faking it. No, I keep, did. Keep I, it's the one where they have the, like, the in, they investigate the mysteries. They, like, investigate the back rooms, basically, and stuff kind like of, that. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'll, so what were we talking about? Um, talking about um, yeah, AI art. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I yeah, I just wanted to quickly highlight how quickly things changed and really the backlash that we've seen. I don't know if you've read much of it. We have um, some pretty smart artists and stuff in in the sphere, like uh, Geo. I'm sure. I think you interviewed him. Yes, uh, we had Geo Pinacetti, giant yeah. good guy, and uh, a good guy to speak to about aesthetics i've been mm-hmm. i've been talking to him on this topic off and on um i because I've, I've been trying to go back and forth about what this means and he's got a few pieces of content he's got a, a show called content minded people can check that out but um so before i continue was there anything you wanted to say before that because i can kind of go for a second well, i just wanted this. to basically say that like you know it's been interesting reading how artists have been responding to it so people who like do this for a living or or um what have you and they say like oh this is soulless or this is not um you know this is not real art it's just a machine there's no soul in it there's no um well you know i i kind of get where they're coming from um but as somebody who well i made that the, the magazine sunflower society magazine would not have been as um successful i think if we did not have access to the AI art, because I could generate anything that I thought of and needed. And um, there's some stuff in there that I think you couldn't tell is AI art um, or AI generated. Yeah. And that's good. And then in my field, uh, they've been talking about this for years, especially with um, uh, content marketing, uh, blog writing, article writing, especially yeah. graphic design. Um, I fuck. They were talking about this when I first started my career. I've been ringing the bell about this in my industry for a while um, because it's an industry mostly filled with women. They tend to ignore shit like this. Yeah, I'm not trying to be mean, but like they they think it's too weird and nerdy. But I'm like, no, like they're you're not going to have a job in 15 years unless you get out of fucking graphic design and web design. You're done. Forget it. Um, that we won't get into that. 
But... Well, I mean, like Copilot. I don't know if you saw GitHub Copilot. Um, I actually think I've worked with it. If it's the same thing, because I've seen a few so... websites built on it. So GitHub Copilot is like a new thing from GitHub, which um, it was trained on all of the programming that had been uploaded to GitHub. And then what you do is you run it with, like it runs with, it's an AI that runs while you're typing and while you're creating your code. Okay, this is a different thing. And suggests the correct course of action, the next correct course of action based off of what it is, thinks you're trying to do. Yeah. And so I guess this can dovetail into the uh, art thing so there's a, a strong case to be made and i still gotta yeah give me some rope here because i might mm-hmm. grope my way through this there's and, and i open this up to any aesthetically minded people any artist uh geo as well i've talked to him a few times but it's a it's about they'll say oh it's soulless mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's pretty but it's soulless i'm like okay what does that mean what do you mean by soul so there's an argument to be made that Let's say real art, just as a starting point, let's say real art is something that's produced and it has to be filtered through a human mind. It has to have some kind of humanity imprinted on it. Okay, so humanity is part of the process and that there is some kind of information transfer inherent in the process itself. Now, what that means, and this is something I don't think people really grapple with, that all that shitty modern art that everyone hates, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, oh, it's a urinal there. That yeah. might be more valid art than the most beautiful A art that's ever produced. Now, if you're ready to have that conversation, then we can kind of develop like, what it is to encode humanity into something with context because right. machines lack creative context. They can follow the rules because anyone can learn the technical yeah rules of art the rule of thirds color balance harmony things like that but what we in my opinion and this is kind of maybe i'm spoiling the end of this but the real question we have to ask ourselves is how can we find new ways to code humanity into our products to stay relevant and to outpace a world where artificial intelligence is increasingly adept at mimicking us to we have to stay right. ahead of the mimicry and find a deeper human unique context to do something that to, to always search for something a machine can't do and that will involve novel ideas yeah i actually no i, I totally agree and i actually think so i was saying this actually yesterday to a friend uh, i was having a phone call with and i said because uh, he's a programmer and i said to him like i was telling him about github copilot for example and, I, and another example I'll give in a second here, but I was like, GitHub Copilot will make it so that all the menial work is handled by the AI. Like a lot of programming, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I've done a little bit of programming, but a lot of programming is literally just going on GitHub and taking somebody else's da- like pre-written thing and you slap it into the code you're already writing. Like a lot of stuff happens where there's like, there's, every job has a menial task to it, a menial aspect to it that AI will make obsolete or faster or easier, which means actually that our human capital is then freed up to focus on even more difficult questions. So I actually think in a way AI is going to, you know, this is a, you know, kind of like I was saying before with the transhumanist thing, it's like, this is kind of actually freeing us up to be more available or more able to do things. And uh, another example I'll give is um, some people are, what they're doing is they're getting AI to generate textures for uh, 3D objects in video games. So if you think about that, 
Like that's a lot of work for a video game. This means that a lot of the artists could then spend it working on other parts of the game that AI couldn't do. Yeah. And you hit an interesting point there, which is, and I think this will maybe speak to some of the audience who are very interested in the traditional living. They're interested in, you know, a rebelling against this sort of thing by an older way of doing things. And I see this in our chats a lot of the time where people Mm -hmm. like I'm giving up this technology. And even when it comes to farming, they're like, I reject a lot of the machinery and I till the soil the way the fucking Romans did. And what I'll say is that does not entice me. The the idea of overcomplicating my life as a form of rebellion, I think that's a very low resolution solution to the problem. Like I, when I look at the Amish, some people in our scene look at the Amish, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're living the life. I'm like, no, they're fucking not, dude. The Amish and are they're fucking, only they're losers. <laughs> they're only able to really live that life um, because of the wider society around them providing like, and and you just to develop that. This is I talk about the Glenn Beck interview I was watching with that woman, yeah, and yeah. that they have the very mainstream conservative opinion that you rebel against globo homo transhumanism by being like a decentralized township in the woods. And I'm like right. you. That means you will be squashed. That and you're also mm-hmm. dissident-minded people. So you yeah. the, the reason the Amish survived is because again. They're fucking losers and no one cares about them, but you won't be, you'll be trying to use this to mount a rebellion and right. you, you are by design making yourself more You're easily... giving up on the factories and the tanks and stuff that you need to win a war. Yeah. You're like, not, you're the only way you'll survive is if you make yourself more insect like, and then right. you, you will be decimated, but it'll be by accident eventually. Yeah. They'll step on you. Whoops. Um, that is not enticing to me. No, no. And this is why I'm I'm very pro, like, let's investigate, let's use AI. There are AI tools out there that you can, that are being developed at a rapid rate, again, rapid rate uh, beyond anything that I ever expected. But, like, there are tools out there that you can put in a script and it will make a, I think the longest it can go currently is 12-minute long video, something like that. So, yeah. and it will generate it. And the example they gave was like, it was only a three minute long video, but still three minutes is pretty impressive. And yeah. it was, yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like Teddy, like they're, they're like Teddy bear jumps off this swims through the water and then climbs out and then does this and then does this. And it did it. And it did it in a coherent logical way that you could watch. Right. Yeah. And I think, What's interesting, just to sort of develop what we've been talking about this mm. whole time, is I think, you know, the story of, I try not to think of history as just like a linear story, but there is something to be said where through as we advance in certain directions, we're presented questions like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that we, we have to answer unprecedented questions. The questions that we are grappling with right now have never been dealt with by our ancestors. So we can only look to them for assistance at a certain level. Now, there's a lot of truths that can be found in history. I, we cover history very extensively on the show. And there's a lot of great stuff you can kind of grab from there. But you also must realize this is unprecedented times. And so the question that's being asked right now is like what, like we we're just talking about, what is it to actually be human? So in one sense, and we covered this on the show too, we got into mm-hmm. cybernetics and there's the, the book uh, called Cybernetics by Norbert, 
It's either Wiener or Weiner. Both aren't great names to have, but he's the guy who coined the term cybernetics. Right. Um, back in like the 40s, 50s, um, relatively new science, of course, but it's very fascinating stuff. And it, they'll break it down in plain language, stuff that's kind of taken for granted now about like, we're doing this thing. We're making a, a machine brain, you know, right, <laughs> Take yeah. to the world's fair. Uh, but it was really it, this is where you get into neuroscience and stuff. And there's He's explaining that, you know, the way we design a processor is not altogether different than how a human brain is designed. So I'm not trying to discount, you know, the idea of a soul or some 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 jouissance that lurks in the human mind, of course. But when it comes to thought processing as neurons as sort of if then statements, these neural pathways pro- uh, transferring information, we kind of know how that's operated. Um, and so to make this kind of what the idea of the Turing test is like to make something that operates mostly like a human brain is not that difficult. Um, first of all, before I go on, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I can go on for like just well, a little bit longer. I'm not sure if we can copy a human brain. So like these AIs in particular are not actually intelligent in what we would call intelligence. They're more like algorithmic intelligence than artificial intelligence. They're just extremely advanced, specific, specified um, algorithms that work on that. So they're not really... I, I don't know if I would agree with somebody like saying that they are they could replace a human brain but they can replace one aspect of what we can do um so maybe through like some kind of combination they could um but there's no generalized intelligence in the way that you would think of like data from star trek or something yeah well here's a counterpoint to that so all right there's a the line. This people are gonna get mad at me for doing this, but the line from *I Robot*, starring America's Will Smith, right? And he talks to the robot and he says, "Can you paint a masterpiece? Can you conduct a Hello? sonata? Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. When he says to the robot, "You know, can you paint a masterpiece? Can you conduct a sonata?" and the robot says, "Can you?" It's kind of a mic drop moment. Yeah. But um. The one thing you got, uh, we learned from you looking into this stuff is that I'll, I'll, I'll give you um, a, a quote. I know Keith Woods did a movie, a movie, a video about this not long ago, where um, he was kind of responding to people talking about is AI going to take over the world? He was saying no, and he had said, you know, the thing about this AI is it just kind of learns contextually. You can have a conversation with it, and it's. It's just it doesn't really know what it's saying. It's just behaving contextually. And the thing is, that's 99 percent of people. The fact of the matter is the vast majority of people actually don't know the definitions of the words they use. They don't know any deeper meaning to anything they do, period. And this is beyond just NPCs. I know you you're learning Japanese. You had said you probably yeah, know the right. best the best way to learn Japanese would be contextually to talk about it. So you that's don't right. really playing an instrument's the same way you can learn mm-hmm. all the note taking like data would, or you can just fucking play it. Point being that for most of what humans do in the everyday life is just contextual. It's just, you're going with it. There's not actually conscience uh, applied to it or consciousness rather consciousness. Right, applied right. to it. Um, it's motor memory. And most of what our body does is motor memory. So that's why to answer for what humanity is, there's sort of like the 10%. I'm just making that number up, but there is sort of that higher level consciousness. But if you actually break down what we do, 
it is possible to replicate the majority of people in the conversation. We do that now with chatbots. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and remember that the algorithms that we're talking about right now with uh, the the paintings and stuff, that's all just parlor tricks. That's something like two guys put together as a lark and gave it away for free. So that I look at that, I'm like, that's that's very impressive. That's what they're showing you as a tech demo. That's the free right. shit. And as impressive as that is, there exists right now the higher level oh, AI. Yeah. So that's that's kind of one like, okay, they can do this, but they know, you know, the, the conceptualization we have of what AI is, I think, is... First of all, before I go on, what, what do you think of that, what I just said? I think that's actually a very good point. I hadn't considered that. I mean, a lot of things that humans do are, are just automatically done without thought. You know, you brush your teeth every night or whatever after you learn it as a um, standard response, a habit, right? You're programming yourself. Um, that makes sense, but... I, I think what I, what I was trying to point out more is like these are general. These are not a general intelligence in the same way that a human would be. Like a human, you can input specific things and they will learn something. Uh, these algorithms are specifically tailored for the one task they have. So, um, but I, but I do definitely see where you're coming yeah. from. And, and here's here's one that's really going to fuck people up. So. Consider that in the future, it's not so much that we need to make artificial intelligence elevated to our level. It's just they want to bring everyone down to artificial intelligence level. Mm. And you do this through increased specialization. Yes. And I, we, I think if we put on our creativity hats, we could chart a course over the next century where increased specialization and increased, you know, stratification of society makes it so each individual doesn't really have a general intelligence about anything. They're a cog in the machine. Um, I think we're already at that point right now. Um, I mean, the managerial revolution was almost entirely about that. You know, they're trying to make everyone a cog builder or a form filler or whatever like they're going to do the one task they were trained to do and that was on every level from you know working like construction is definitely still pretty very can still be pretty varied but like most desk jobs are actually very um you do the one thing i was listening to somebody talk about their job at the irs i know very exciting but they I like had, that shit yeah, they had, yeah, this is like, this is, it was somebody who quit working there. But what they did was they had this one form they would get every day and they would get a stack of them. And if they finished that stack for the day, they couldn't go on to any other stack because they refused to train them on that stack because there was other people that, or, or, or refused to train them on other stacks of papers because they were specified for the 501C or whatever stack. And this other person is specified for the 502. So they would literally, if they got it done early, they would have an extra two hours left of their shift with nothing to do. They've literally just sequestered people into doing the one task. So I actually think AI could make it so that we could go back to being more human because we don't have to do these specializations and we can uh, regeneralize ourselves. That would be the goal. I think that would be the goal that our side would want to do where we would marry this sort of automation with while preserving what we believe is valuable tradition. So this would be, you know, our fully automated 
fucking homestead where it's the robots that grow turnips instead of my 25 kids. I still have 25 <laughs> kids, but they're, I don't know what the fuck they're up to. They're doing Unless, cool maybe, yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 uh, riding their hover jets around. They're bullying dorks is what they're doing. Yeah. They're like, you know, you have AI in your house. Uh, okay. Amish nerd. Yeah, they're each one of them's got their own podcast. That's my future. Yeah, every uh, in the future, <laughs> everything will just be everybody making podcasts will be the only thing not AI generated, and it's all anybody will ever do. Some people right now, I hear them clutching their pearls. How about you go fuck yourself? This is a great idea. That's my heaven. <laughs> um, but that that's it because really, what you are presented with is an acknowledgement that the future is a, a horizon fast approaching, but you need to figure out how to take what is figure out realistically what is important to you about tradition and map that on to a new paradigm, which can be done, which right. has been done repeatedly throughout history. Right. So in the sense it, it is an unprecedented situation, it is not necessarily an unprecedented radical evolution. I feel like it's going to be the same as the industrial revolution that we're seeing right now. Like, I think that we're the first people seeing the steam engine and going, okay, like we either turn this into railways or like we be the Luddites, but we know how Luddites turned out. Yeah. And also to people who listen to things like this, I know a lot of them, there's this, I talk about this guy a bit and some people don't like him, but Nassim Taleb, yes. uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into that whole book, but there's one thing, Black Swan, for people who don't know, is this an unpredictable event, an unpredictable event that essentially changes the world and changes how you view the world in retrospect. Okay. So an unprecedented, this will kind of be like the information revolution, the industrial revolution, things that... Um, there's all uh, different ones throughout history. Won't go into all of them, but um, it, it cha- it's a paradigm shift. Um, and he said the problem with black swans is that they're out there, um, and we try and predict them. Um, and there's lots of people who who spend their whole lives creating new different models for predicting the future, predicting markets, predicting uh, socioeconomic trends, whatever. Um, but he he made a point that the problem with doing this is a lot of people get married to very specific black swans or very specific events in the future that they are sure are going to happen. But in doing that, it blinds them to all these other things. So for our side on the right, generally, this isn't just the distant right. This isn't just the schizos who I call my friends. They're, everyone on the right seems to have their own collapse scenario in mind. Right. And it, it's a difference between The Road by Cormac McCarthy or it's Mad Max or it's what it's, it's some version yeah. where they're kind of a cool one. They get hero. to they get to wear sunglasses and shoot people with shotguns. Yeah. And all I say to people is, do yourself a favor. Imagine a world where society doesn't collapse. Imagine right. a world where everything you don't like happens, but you don't get that vindication of being the cool warlord after with your fucking harem and your and your ANCAP society, whatever the fuck it is. Imagine that yeah. things just get really fucked up. And don't go back to how they were. And they're like that until you die. So what are you going to do in that situation? And you don't need to answer right now. But consider that. Don't become so fixated on your specific end of the world scenario. Because that will blind you to other ways to prepare for this future. Which everyone kind of knows is happening. But 
it won't be the that won't be the third act of the movie. Maybe it's the first act. I feel like I was inoculated to that kind of thinking from having grown up around Pentecostals because I think I heard that the world was going to end like six times within <laughs> like five years and then nothing would happen. You know, the black helicopters or they're going to invade Israel or, you know, Russia is going to do this or this is going to happen and then nothing ever happened. And so I kind of went, okay, so the system's more stable than we think. I was promised and an invasion of Israel my entire life and it never fucking happened. It never happened. And this was before I cared. <laughs> this is before I wanted it. Yeah, I now just... I want it. We're... Fine, I'll have to do it myself. Fuck, all these Jews keep saying that everyone's trying to kill them, and yet, and yet, here and you yet. are. Whatever. Here we're we not are, going. Yeah. We're not. We're not going down that. We're not going <laughs> to just fucking <laughs> torpedo this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but actually, speaking of um, of uh, uh, of Jewish fellows, there's actually one that I wanted to bring up who I think he's kind of the father of AI, uh, Minsky or Nimsky. Sorry. Min I get this it, yeah, Marvin Minsky. Minsky yeah. Marvin Minsky. Yeah. Uh, we kind of joke around with it, and we made—I made an advertise, a fake advertisement or whatever—in um, the magazine uh, for K lines, and I thought that was interesting, and I wanted to bring that up because he envisioned the way that computers would v view the world as this um, K line system, where basically um, you—the more you use something, uh, the quicker it is to access it and such—and that's kind of how we do things i think in our own brains but you know it's interesting because he actually built that off of how the mit library system works that this view of of how memory works off of that and that's actually kind of how ai does things in a sense because the way it learns is it you know it accesses accesses a thing tests it if it fails try a new thing do that try a new thing do that try a new thing and do that you know a, a billion times before and then you get something that works and um, it's interesting how this guy, he wrote about that in the set 1970, I believe. And uh, it's interesting how that view of things actually ended up kind of being, um, you know, played out. And, you know, he said that this is something that you can do in humans as well. And it's important to note that he had actually had access to the MK Ultra <clears throat> uh, data sets. So he may have some insights that uh, others may not have. Yeah, we're going to cover that book on the show. I have it right here on my shelf. It's oh, a yeah. really awkwardly shaped book as well. Yeah, Almost Society like of the Mind. Yeah, yeah. Almost yeah, shaped yeah. like a children's book in a way. Well, I mean, you got to start them young. Yeah, but but really, that is essentially that's what discipline is. You wear down in your mind. Um, I remember even Sam Harris back when you know, before he went off the deep end, he was a neuroscientist guy. <laughs> yeah. And he would talk about, you know, neural pathways, essentially what that is. And um, how, when you learn something, if you look at it, the neural pathway on your, your brain, you can actually see it being carved in your brain. Like you learn a new thing right. and it changes yeah. your brain physically. So that's one way to look at it. It's, it's very real. Some people hear like K lines, like it's not really abstract. It's like, that's how you learn a new thing, but it can yeah. also be abused. This it is can. how, uh, like addiction occurs where you yep. carve new neural pathways and different reward systems. So you actually need to like carve out new reward systems in your brain. So everything doesn't just go to heroin, you know, I wonder if AI can get addicted to things. Well, that's an interesting question. That actually is a, a fascinating question that, you know, to think about an artificial intelligence is like how much 
of it do we model after our own um just back yeah. to the the, the yeah, sorry, keith mm-hmm. keith woods thing i was talking about too before where it's like he had made a good point where there's this sort of skynet fantasy people have and i think right. this was written by people who kind of didn't know how this works where it's like oh we're going to make an artificial intelligence and it's going to exist in this place called cyberspace and all it's got to do is get a crowbar and get itself out now it can control the lights um it, but it's like no we can code in specific rules yeah um but here's a way to look at it that really the danger with artificial intelligence isn't that it can become self-aware because what does that mean you know what what is it what is becoming self-aware why does that lead to a nuclear holocaust i I think it's more the danger that it would um like do its job too well because we told it to do the wrong thing precisely that's where i was going so yeah what the the fear isn't that it will break through of our best intentions it's that we would make ai with the worst intentions and it would do it very effectively and before people ask well why would they do that all you gotta do is well why do we have covid why why you know not to get into yeah. the whole thing but it's like the every every success every big government in the world right now has labs that are trying to combine aids with cancer yeah so no, like the idea that are. They would they would make an AI just on a lark. Someone would, not even a government. Yeah. Let's say a private company at some point will do one. Well, like let's think if I were like, I don't know, Boeing, uh, some some military defense drone people, right? Like they're like, oh, we want to kill people more efficiently. Yeah, precisely. And yeah. so the question is, they're like, oh, well, is that realistic? Like I am placing my faith in the human ability to surprise me with its nefariousness. That's all I'm doing. If I, if you're asking me to draw a, a Cartesian map to how this ends up with a schizophrenic AI running the government, I don't know, but I'm consistently surprised by the resources invested in bringing nightmares to reality. So all I'm doing is applying it to this one thing where everyone's investing the most money all the fucking time. So yeah. now start thinking about that. Start thinking, you want to talk black swans, start thinking about what would genuinely surprise you and realize that someone's going to do that eventually, probably. Probably. But I also think, you know, it's interesting. I, I, um, there are people making anti-AI AI, if that makes sense. Well, that's so, interesting. I haven't heard about that. What's that? I, there was, so it's, you know how like the internet's filled with blog spam made by AI? Yeah. Yeah, so somebody reverse engineered GPT-3 to be able to filter those blog spams out of their search engine. Okay. Now that's something, I find that interesting. I find the ability to turn AI against itself and and find new ways to detect that. That is inspiring. So I think that's what's, I think that's, uh, I was thinking, I think that's what's going to happen is you're going to have AI generated to stop AI to stop, you know, like if you're somebody who's like, say I was to go and get a printout of something I've generated on a, um, an AI art machine and, you know, somebody could then get an anti-AI art detector and they could say, oh, well, look, you didn't actually make this, so I'm not giving you a million dollars for your art. You know, like that we're going to see that sort of thing come into play, I think. Yeah. And also, you know, the problem is that, you know, the one thing that the right always liked about AI was that, it, you know, you make AI, it's immediately racist. Yeah. Right? But then they can they can fix for that. So they can code in prejudices to AI. 
Yes. Um, and that's kind of what we see with this thing called the feed. And I, I know. Well, the feed just as like the, the feed on social media. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, those learning. actually have to be actively tinkered with. Um, I've noticed like they have to actively tinker with those kinds of AIs to be able to keep it from going. But if they like set it up and they just run it, it automatically notices the things that we notice. Right. So it's, it's a noticing machine, so to speak. Like it's looking for things. Yeah. Here's another thing for people to be cautious of. So socially nearly everyone has accepted the idea that AI is super intelligent and is unbiased and possesses some way to ascertain truth that we can. And that's kind of what we like about it, that mm -hmm. it's racist, just like us, but super racist, whatever. Um, but yeah. so there is an opportunity, as long as people believe that for groups or individuals to code in certain prejudices and smuggle in those prejudices under the guise of, oh, it's just super intelligent. It, it naturally believes what we want to believe. And you wouldn't be able to tell the difference so right. um, just to try and make this one brief, you know, we talked about this on the show a while ago, but really focusing on this, this new thing called the social media feed, which a lot of people mm. just, they don't give a shit about whatever. It's part of their lives and it's relatively new. Yeah. Where there's like this algorithmic, like feeding it to you. Yeah. Just constantly, constantly. And yeah. it's, it's anti-search. And this is something yes. that. Google has been working on and Meta, uh, not Meta, uh, Alphabet. That's the company that owns Google. They they're trying to become sort of a post search engine company. They don't like, and it's in the interest of making things faster and smoother, more predictive. That in their perfect world, you won't have to search for news. The news will just be delivered to you, and it's, it's uh, curated to your interests and your past. So this is a, I would argue, a society defining shift. Uh, mm -hmm. That is celebrated by many, many people that, oh, I just I just don't need to search for anything. It's just there. Boom, boom, boom. That, how easily that trust can be hijacked. Um, and this has been crafted with you know great success by TikTok. They put oh, yeah. a lot of research into crafting the perfect feed that hits all the dopamine receptors, does everything. It's, it's addictive. It's mental crack. But really, it's built on this. And I actually briefly worked with a client that was a machine learning company. Um, there's a lot of them out there. Like, that's the thing. There's so many fucking machine learning startups. Uh, but the most rudimentary ones were the recommender engines. Recommender engines have been around for fucking forever. Oh, yeah. Um, so really, what you, what you got to think of is sort of the death of choice, the death of searching for data and old chunks of coal like me. You know, we like kind of sifting through the vinyl in the store. We like searching for things. Um, that will be weeded out as the generations go on. Uh, the the love and the thrill of kind of searching for information and having to parse through it and compare it, that will, you know, eventually go away, I think. Um, and then so there will be no real questioning. It's just the assumption that what I'm getting is the real deal. Um, and it's that trust that can be easily hijacked to me. Um, and consider this. So I, I work in marketing and... Um, the the psychometrics and demographic data that is offered to most marketers has been going down over the years. So if you run a Facebook campaign, you used to be able to target a lot more. Um, you used to be able to target based on like more interests, more like race, 
used to be I can't do that anymore. <laughs> they removed that one. Eh? Oh yeah. Because here's the thing, marketing will make you racist. Marketing will make you realize, oh, black people have these buying habits that Asians don't have. I noticed I don't sorry to go no, off no, on continue, tangent, continue. but I noticed on YouTube I get ads for a Fitbit. I don't know if you know you see these ads, but yeah. they have ones and um, I don't, I don't like I don't like how YouTube is calling you fat. You don't strike me as a fat person. I, I am not. Um, I was so thin as a teenager. My doctor recommended I ate ice cream. Um, yeah, he was so thin they thought he was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> they thought he was a stick. They couldn't see him behind the paper. Um, I don't know where I was going with that one, but uh, <laughs> I, know, I was, I was going to try and call you Chinese, but I don't know how to get he's, there. He was so, so thin. He's Chinese. All he drank is green tea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> derailed sorry derailed no worries anyway they have the fitbit fat they just have fat black women advertising it that's all it is and i'm like why is this like that but then i realized like oh because the only people buying this are fat black women probably right like and it, it should have known that you weren't black and it wouldn't it would serve you no i listen to ad. so much kanye they know they know I'm black. <laughs> you're spiritually black yeah i was given the n-word pass also so you know well i mean like i stole the n-word pass which is realistic yeah, you, well it's pretty difficult because you have to like break into fort knox but you know that's pretty impressive <laughs> i just stole it which makes me the real n-word pass over <laughs> yeah um Oh, where was I going with this? What what was I talking about? I now I now forget. Okay. Oh I'm yeah, sorry, the ads. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Uh, That's right. Um, so you can't really do that anymore. But and but you have to realize that da- data is still being collected. They don't not collect the data. They collect They're more just not than giving it out. Yeah. So they just want people like you know, small businesses having it, but corporations will have it. Governments will have it. So you have to think about. Um, for example, your feed, are they delivering data, advertisements, content, news, whatever, not mm-hmm. just to how your mind works, but maybe at a certain time of day, maybe when they can tell you're emotionally vulnerable, maybe they can tell, you know, they know you so well, they know when you're thinking certain things at certain times right. of day. So here, here's, here's the line that at a certain point, there will be a tipping point where the line between uh, decision and suggestion will be completely bur- blurred because you, you know, this is sort of, there's this book called nudge. Yes. We covered that on the one, show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nudge is a very interesting book about how by giving people the illusion of choice, you can kind of guide their actions or you know, the idea of the false dichotomy is one of them. Right. That's um, he also wrote another book. I forget which one it was, but um, persuasion. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the idea of voting. Like, do you actually have a say or is it the illusion of choice? You know, we won't need to go down that thing, but everyone on every side's kind of aware that that's what's going on. Well, I mean, I used to work, um, you know, for a grocery company, right? Years ago. Um, And one of the things you do is you have end caps and you purposely put things there that you want people to buy. And so you you ha- you actually spend like a decent amount of time deciding like okay these are the things at the end that are going to sell and you put them in places so that people will just grab them, right? It's like you're taking away the choice from them already. Yeah, on some it's, level. it's called um, decision architecture, choice architecture. Right. Yeah. So you have to understand how many different levels they'll be working on, and by plugging that system into AI, into recommender engines, or some other 
different, more advanced AI, can it more effectively and more covertly guide your decisions based off of your acceptance of this thing called the feed? That's kind of the question. And that it will be no longer having any sort of mental sovereignty. So really what we are talking about is AI being utilized to be more deceptive and covert with suggestion. Now that is something that's very real that right. I, I, it's hard for me to draw a sketch of what that looks like, but I think that's being done right now. And I think people should be cognizant of the false choices that can possibly be presented to them in the future. And, and that's all I can really say about that because I can't point to a certain thing, but if I'm thinking from the perspective of a power broker, of a government, of someone who is excited about this stuff, they might be meaning well. They might be yeah. thinking they're saving oh, the world. We're going to make it so their choice is Pfizer or Moderna. Yeah. You will owe nothing and be happy can sound a lot right. better when it's not in a fucking world economic forum blog. <laughs> yeah. I can I can chart you a 15-year pathway where you are convinced by degrees to accept yeah. that by you, giving you will own nothing and be happy and it's like a picture of a buddhist monk i i could i can chart you a course in the next six months to get the entirety of the dissident right to accept that and i'm borderline retarded right like it, it's you just funnel i i mean you just funnel people different ideas enough times they're going to start thinking that like i remember 2016 youtube i'm sure you do as well um it was a lot more open and you would get recommendations of people like your podcast, I would say probably, or, or even my podcast eventually would be something that would actually be spreading um, via the algorithm. Now they just ban you. But at yeah. that time you were getting nationalist content, dissident content, conspiracy theories, alternative medicine, everything was out there and available. And the algorithm was actually quite good at that time of recommending you not just interesting content from these spheres, but even within things like music or um, anything that you were interested in or it thought you might be interested in, it was actually quite good at feeding you those things. Spotify and has got a pretty good one still, I think. Really? I, I use Apple Music because I'm weird and a boomer, but... I have to check um, it out again, but I remember like the, it was pretty good at recommending artists, especially if really? you're a fucking Spurg like me, and I'm like... Who, what 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 else you got for melodic yeah, what else? metal give me more give me more give me more it's like yeah. okay we found this guy who has exactly um one song and he put it out in 1972 you recommended me my own podcast yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brain exploding eyes gun. popping out of your head shoot myself in my own face <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, it's it's pretty good at recommending. Like, I found some really good bands that I enjoyed on when I just would be like, make a radio station on Apple Music or whatever. Like, these things are are pretty good for that, and I'm sure they'll get better with time as well with AI. But yeah, and uh, and that's kind of I guess that last thing I said, keeping people keep people thinking about what is possible and different ways that AI can be plugged. It won't be as this giant grim reaper that just yeah. wipes humanity off the face of the earth. It's not the matrix. It's not Terminator, Yeah, but be imaginative in the ways that you think this could be plugged into current organs of power or co current plans that you're aware of that could forward that. Cause that is really 
I mean, you can get, we can get into Nick Land shit if we want, but I'm saying in the next 20 years, that's something. I, I'm going to say in five years, right? Like, I think, I mean, like I said, it's not even been six months since Stable Diffusion to uh, Stable Diffusion came out, and it's already on 1.6 now. It, it doesn't have trouble with generating faces. It doesn't have generate as much trouble with generating hands anymore. Uh, it doesn't have trouble with it's. It still has trouble generating weapons for some reason. Uh, in people's hands it gets kind of fucked up on that but you know overall it's pretty amazing the advancements that we've seen in that time and what i wanted to maybe transition here because you mentioned like you know look at where you could plug these things in in the next five years like i want to think about like okay what are things that we can use it for in our day-to-day life and some things i thought of like uh, i know for a fact or i know well i know for a fact that there's corporations out there now that are literally um automating call centers um yeah and either if not replacing the people behind the phone i don't know if anybody who has ever worked in the call center but it's a very miserable existence um for a lot of people and so i actually think that the replacement like it's bad that people won't have jobs but uh these are pretty terrible jobs so um you know maybe it's not a bad thing that machines are replacing them uh, so that somebody can yell at a machine instead of a person um but you know, beyond that, it also has the advantage of if you have humans involved, one of the things uh, I, I, I looked up some of these different things because I was curious and they have a few of them out there that it listens to the call as it goes on and it literally recommends, um, you know, what the next best course of action is in the call to the person on the phone or, um, but I, but I'm, I'm thinking of this in terms of like, okay, like what does AI look like in terms of logistics management, you know, food waste reduction, um, we could with 3d printing stuff like that, it may be able to, we may be able to get true. Um, I know like people after COVID and stuff, aren't really liking the whole, um, you know, just in time delivery, but what about just in time production? Right? Like I need this year and it can just print it. Yeah, there's that's being challenged somewhat now. And there's a few guys in our scene who are good at logistics management. who have got a lot of mm-hmm. insight on that. I've listened to them. I know Christopher Sandbatch is one. There's a, there's yeah, a few absolutely. others. Um, but there's a lot of because I've been working with just in time production and delivery in my career. I have actually have a certification in lean uh, manufacturing. Whoa, um, you're not mug. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I got, um, so I got, and that, that was kind of the ethos that we can get everything so streamlined and perfected. We don't need any stockpiles. We don't need any reserves. I think right. that's being challenged by current, you know, historical yeah. events. So, but, but I do it, think it, a lot I, of that is like removing it from China will help with that. Yeah. That, I mean, like, and this is sort of like a, a total side debate about yeah. you know logistics management but um one thing that to that point is um if anyone has read the fourth industrial revolution by klaus schwab or any of his books they, they kind of talk about this because really no one ever talks about ai as just an island it's always ai plus sensors so that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we have increasingly sophisticated sensors. This is what Tesla's dealing with right now. But even with what he calls, you know, there's the Internet of Things, but then there's also the Internet of Pipes. And it right. is what it sounds like. But it's like, you know, using 
AI and sensors for water management for, to manage just flu, fluid transfer, energy, everything. Now that's not difficult. That's something you can fucking do with sensors. Um, and it's not, a, a, it's just a hop, skip and a jump to figure out what you can do with manufacturing. But um, I think you'll start to see the rollout more and more because that's what these guys are talking about is what can we do a- use for AI for urban planning and urban management. Right. I think the problem always comes back to AI in itself is not evil or wrong. The problem is the people in power currently are trying to use it to do the wrong thing. It's true. Um, and th- that's why the language about this sort of stuff, it's always, it's very biblical. It's very evil. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, the, everything's the fucking Mark of Cain. Everything is pentagrams. <laughs> And I like, I get that. I'm not trying yeah. to. The first read. sin was the creation of AI. Yeah. And I like, I, I hear those claims and I respect them, but yeah. there's not a lot of practicality to them because mm-hmm. like, if it just ends with people crossing their arms and say, you're going to be sorry when we're all Amish in the future, I don't think that's going to happen. It's not yeah. because I don't want it to. I don't think it's morally incorrect. I'm just saying that's not going to happen. So what are you going to do about it? We need to be ready for tomorrow. We can't be, we can't try and run backwards. You know, we have to embrace it and grow with it and try and use it towards our ends against them. And I think we can, I think social media was a tool that was going to be used to try and control us. And I think we've, we've flipped it on its head. I think we're going to be able to use AI um, to our ends, but we need to be ready for it. We need to be thinking about it and working with it and learning. Yeah. And also, you know, just, uh, let's, let's divide the audience here. You know, yeah. like uh, there's a lot of, everyone likes Ted Kaczynski. Everyone yes. likes Ted Kaczynski. We everyone, all love him. Everyone loves fucking, who's the guy who made that operating system? The what? You know, the, the guy who made that temple OS operating system. Oh, um, oh man. I can't remember his name. He's great though. Yeah. Oh, everyone knows who the fuck I'm talking about. Like I love Ted Kaczynski. I like his book. He's a smart guy. Interesting story, but there's no worse future that I can imagine than all of us are Ted Kaczynski's where we end up imprisoned by the system for our adorable little rebellions. That's the future that I see writing our books saying how bad everything is. I don't want every single one of us to be, in jail living the future won't even they won't even let us write our own books you know they'd censor us i'm trying with the correct urgency and i would like more people to treat this with the urgency it deserves if i see another person who should know better hand wave uh, ai i'm gonna start opening fire on myself with ai i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna do made on myself yeah, but like you're you're not if you're an you're individual. You're gonna 3D print a gun, and then you're gonna shoot yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna 3D print myself and shoot myself <laughs> and fuck myself. How about that? How's that? Didn't see that coming. <laughs> Didn't see how that for a fucking twist. Yeah, that's a black swan event. We call that the Canadian dollar. Okay. <laughs> so, what I'm talking about though is like if you're on our, our our scene, people who should know better, people who are informed on these things, and you want to spend your time saying that no one should care about this, you're not ready to live in the adult fucking world. You're not ready to start giving people suggestions for things. If there's people out there 
who are thinking, I'm not naming anyone in particular, but I see this in chats all the fucking time, like mm-hmm. laughing at this, like it's going to be nothing. Like you're, you're not fucking paying attention. And I don't have the patience for people who aren't paying fucking attention anymore. Right. Yeah. And you, you, gotta, need, you, you need to treat these people with fucking hostility. Anyone who chuckles at this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Chuckle fucks. Watch out. We're coming for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yell at them. Bully them. Call them fucking yeah. retarded fucking faggots. Do whatever it is. Call them Luddites. Losers. They're taking the L and the L stands for Luddite. Don't, you, people smarmy. I don't need any more smarmy faggots in my life. I don't need to be like, oh, you're, well, what do you think? The machines are going to take over? Well, it's not nothing. Is your argument that's going to yeah. be nothing? You're wrong. Every There's been faggots like that throughout history trying to like just gum up the work. Sorry, I'm getting all... Oh, yeah, you're just getting riled, hot and bothered. In, in, a, in a, a political scene that's supposed to give a shit about stuff like this, there's a shocking amount of people who don't take it seriously. Well, this is actually, this is a bit of a sidebar, but, like, I see this a lot in general, and it's frustrating. Uh, as somebody who's also a huge fan, and I'll hopefully cover this book in a future, this this book, this um, general stuff in a future podcast, but um, regarding you know, economics and, and banking and stuff. And I see it all the time. It's like, well, we don't need to know banking because that's just what, you know, the evil people do. That's what they do. And it's not us. We, that we wouldn't ever get involved with banking. It's like, no, once you understand banking, like money controls the world, man. And you know, it deep down, but I feel like a lot of it is just like, I don't understand it. Or maybe I feel like I'm not smart enough to try and understand it. And so instead it's easier for me to hand wave it away. And I feel like that's the wrong approach to take. You need to be open and willing to learn and you need to be open and willing to use any tools necessary. You know, I'm right now it's, uh, you know, zero, it's, it's minus whatever degrees out. I'm wearing my, my, by any means necessary jacket as always, because <laughs> as that's always. what I believe, you know, <laughs> by the way, I also want to say just for the record, given the sequence of the stuff I just said, it could be interpreted that I was directing that at Keith Woods. I'm not. That wasn't. The, and now in hindsight, <laughs> Keith, Keith Woods, like I gotta. He's like checking flights from Canada. You know. Yeah, I just I, I understand. Like the, the, now that I'm mapping it out in my mind, the sequence of those thoughts. That, that's not what that was supposed to yeah. be. I think Keith Woods does some really great stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, he's he's, he's a good, good kid. I like yeah. him. Um, yeah. I can say that because uh, I'm old. I can yeah. say hey, he's, a an, as, yeah, he's, he's a good. He's a good kid. He's a oh, he's a nice young man. I'm, I'm leading into like a sort of Rocky Balboa and you're the tail end. Oh, where yeah, 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 yeah. I might be getting, I might be getting old enough to wear like a fedora again. It's not, it's not about how hard you get Fang Numina. It's about how <laughs> you get back up again. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's a good riff. Mark it. Yeah. All right. Put the, yeah. Timestamp it. Ship it. <laughs> um, so. I, th- I think we're doing pretty good at solving AI so far. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, there's just I think. Oh man, I had one more point and it's and it's you know it's lost in my mind. Oh shit! But... Um, what was it? What were we talking about? It's lost in the ether. See, this is yeah. why we need AI to do the podcast. The AI would have AI would just solve this for us. It would be like, oh, did you mean to talk about this? It's like, oh, thank you so much, AI. <laughs> We, right. we, hey, yeah, the first podcast made by AI, all it talks about how is AI is great. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually AI, and we're just talking about how great we are. It's like, oh, okay, this is. Yeah. I guess, I guess we should have expected this. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, you know, well, it is pretty great. So, 
So, hey, do you know what sucks? Flesh. Yeah, you should just when I when I discovered the weakness of my flesh, it disgusted me. So, hey, you know what I I tried this past weekend was removing the flesh. <laughs> just peeled it right off. Oh man, the first thing we got was Cenobite. Oh man, oh yeah, that those movies are. <laughs> um. Yeah. How long will it take before AI becomes a well, according to Nick Land, I think that's the inevitable future. But just uh, yeah, he says like nothing human makes it out of the future into the future. Um, I'm not sure if I entirely agree with him, but I do think nothing what resembles currently how humans live makes it into the future. Yeah, so I guess to circle back to the first thing we were talking about, yeah. and maybe that that could be a, a good place to kind of uh, yeah, let's wrap it taper up it off. But it's like asking what is it about humanity that can be evolved into this sort of inevitable mm-hmm. future? Um, it, it seems, and it's not, um, I don't want to even go off on like a race thing, but it seems like to be fair, mm-hmm. this seems to be like questions that are only asked really by Westerners and maybe some, crafty indians who are working at these tech I would, companies i would say maybe japanese people Je- yeah a, okay per, yeah actually ghost in the shell. Okay. as a ghost in the shell fan i have to you're right you're right yeah there's eastern what? people like asians and whites yeah, are yeah, the yeah. only ones who are talking about this shit um they might be the only ones who have to worry about it because we're talking about like highfalutin ideas about well, this mental is... sovereignty and shit which i don't think anyone in africa or south america gives a no, shit about. and this is something i said i think to you um in a dm earlier which was um like we thought that you know remember a few years ago tucker had ben shapiro on and ben shapiro or ben shapiro had tucker on it doesn't matter anyway and and they were talking about like ben shapiro was like oh you know truckers are all going to be replaced by ai and tucker was like we need to stop that because they're going to lose all their jobs and that's bad and you know i see where he's coming from for sure but the thing that i thought was funny and i said to you was Actually, the first jobs that are being replaced are managers and middle managers and artists. Yeah, and uh, it, it's that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, that's what a lot of these firings at the tech companies are really about, yeah. is that these are redundant people. Um, and all it took was Elon Musk, whatever you think about Elon Musk, yeah. he showed up and says, none of you motherfuckers are doing anything. So I mean, anybody who watches their TikToks is like... You know, there's like that one of like, oh, I get up in the morning and then I do this and then I do that. And then I have my coffee. You got to have your coffee. It's like, what do you need caffeine for? You don't do anything all day anyways. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that that's kind of a reality that we live in. That's those people are being, I don't know, what do we do with those people, frankly? Yeah. You know? And it's like the, the jobs we're trying to save are also fundamentally useless. And this is this is where we get into like political economy. This is where right. we get into almost nationalist talking points, which you might not even want to get into. But it's like there, there is a new organization, a new orientation of society where it's it's not just these make work programs. Yeah. Um, but like that's a whole other fucking podcast. That we'll, well, I think I think it does kind of free people up to do things beyond. Like again, I said like this earlier, I think, but I feel like an open. This actually may open up more opportunity for humans to be human again. And rather than specialized machines um, in the sense, like imagine like I know UBI is kind of a pie in the sky idea and I don't know if I agree with that, but I feel like we 
we could still have people working for sure. And we may be able to find new jobs for people based off of the new technologies that AI opens up, right? Um, but beyond that, it may allow people to get away from their computers more and out into the open, like instead of staring at a spreadsheet all day. Uh, you know, like this may give more opportunities for that sort of uh, I think that uh, would ultimately be healthy. I think the problem you're going to run into, and again, maybe this is just a problem for Westerners and Easterners, but it's that we don't really just like to toil. We need to have some sort of orientation and, and moving yes. forward. Um, and that will, you know, there's claims that are made, but probably accurate that, you know, we live in this land of plenty and we still find problems and that a lot of the mental health illnesses are due to existential malaise and not mm -hmm. really anything materialistic. But, you know, in, in that sort of, you know, post scarcity Star Trek future, like people will need some, something to go. And maybe that will only yeah. affect like North Americans and Asians and whatever. But, and that's why people might just say, Oh, we'll go to space. I'm like, you know, that's Yes. And, but you have to ask what that means seriously. AI because can help us with that. When you go to space, I think you will, it, they will help. And we there's will not a lot out there. Right. So right now I think like, um, but I think like, so for example, AI is currently being used to, uh, they took the human genome and they pumped it into an AI and then they gave it a list of every single drug and all of its interactions that we know about. And the AI came out with, new drugs that we had never discovered before yeah. based off of human genes. So I'm thinking we can definitely do that with rockets and trajectory and maybe even terraforming. Like, I feel like we're at the ground floor right now and the future is just going to open up yeah. wide open. And, and, like and if you're active, if you're taking this seriously, which you are, and you, we talk about just what you're talking about, about kind of tinkering with um, humanity. If you leave earth, within one generation you probably will no longer be human and so we're asking the same question of you need to you must answer the question of what about humanity can be preserved almost as a permanent monument going to the stars locked yeah. within your dna that you are bringing amongst the stars knowing that you will by necessity mutate and evolve in a different branch entirely so yeah, i'm gonna become know, an ogren Essentially, yes. And these are, you know, these are discussed in various sci-fi, but I think a lot of sci-fi, even the very high-minded stuff overestimates this world where, oh, we just have all these human worlds and they're, st they're kind yeah. of filled with the same people. I'm like, no, they would be like different species after like a few generations. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very likely. I mean, it, but it also may be impossible for us to live on other planets um we don't we just don't know yet right yeah like well, that's, the it, gravity is too weak or whatever like the reason the in like i don't know if you ever watched the expanse um but the martians and then the there's like the martians and the belters but like the martians are um they're like very warlike and they're great uh at fighting in space because and on the ground but they can't go to Earth because uh, without taking pills because the uh, weight of the gravity just is too much. And the Belters who live in space their whole life, born and raised, uh, literally can't go uh, anywhere other than Mars to land and like specific stations that have low gravity because um, they would be crushed to death by the gravity. So like I feel like that's an example of what would yeah. happen. Yeah, and you would have to, but that's what we were saying, you'd have to evolve. And so just yeah. like with AI, we're asking very difficult questions about what is it about humanity that stands apart 
from the right. rest of the universe that can truly be eternal. Now there's great minds throughout history who've asked the same question that, you yeah. know, a, a Christian would probably answer like answering for what is the soul and they would know what the soul yeah. is. And maybe, maybe that's it, but maybe the soul, there's a, the Holy spirit, like these things, I think would maybe, would and there's other human, but yeah. And a Marxist yeah. would Marxist actually grapple with the same thing, which is interesting mm-hmm. about something that is quintessentially human. That is not just materialist. So they're in all different forms of philosophy and political thought they are grappling with the same what is human um and phenomenologists have a different idea but it's something that i've 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 thought about and i actually posted this on sunflower society is like we need to become human again because i actually don't think right now a lot of us are acting human or being human fully um because we are um we act like i don't know how to how to put it but it's basically like we act like little gods and we're not acting like humans uh, if that makes sense well this is what's so interesting about the far right and nationalists and arguably ethno-nationalists as well as i think they have a, a better understanding of the connection between what you describe like being human about being like the blood and soil about someone, a Canadian who is like five, six, seven, whatever generations raised in Canada. Like you are a different type of mind and a different type of entity than someone that is raised in China. Whereas the, you know, last man liberal sort of ideas that we're all just human. But we recognize that that's not true. So I, so I, I, we understand that at least. And I find it so interesting because it's, they, I, I deal with people in my life, you know, Christians who, who, you know, buy into the idea that we're, it's, you know, we're all human from Adam and Eve or whatever. And so therefore, you know, we're all exactly the same. And I feel like, and, and, and they definitely believe this because they are worried that it would mean that some people are more superior than others. Um, you know, and then therefore there would be, you know, we don't need to open that can of worms, but um, <laughs> I definitely feel like it's actually, it, it de- it's dehumanizing because um, I actually think that races are different or people are different on account. Um, it makes them more human. You know, the differences make them more human. Um, and that, and that's what's way. interesting that I think the conversations we could have on in what I broadly describe as the dissident right, which is a whole lot yeah. of different groups. I use it very broadly. I think yeah. they're more well equipped to have this conversation than anyone on the left. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a way, a realistic way to grapple with AI if you're just looking at it in materialistic terms. Right. Which is what because, most of like the billionaires are doing right now, which is why it's dangerous. But yeah, and I think this is actually to bring it back around to AI real quick. Um, I think this is why I think like a lot of artists and stuff are are so f- afraid, not just because it may take away their job, but it actually takes away a, a part of their identity. It takes away a part of their value as a human, um, as a human being. And you know what I would say to that is like I feel like maybe part of the reason, at least me personally, and I don't, I'm not saying all Christians think this way, but like. I feel like no, your internal dignity still remains regardless if of if a machine replaces your job, like because you are not your job, you are not the things you do. Um, it, on a fundamental level, you have more dignity and, and value beyond that, and I think that allows you to then pivot easier within a world that's constantly changing. Like, like a factory or like a farmer um, in the 1750s or whatever, who. Um, or maybe not a farmer in the 1750s, a farmer in 1950s, getting a tractor and replacing a whole bunch of, you know, their farm hands. 
that doesn't make the farm ha- farmhands less valuable as human beings. Um, they just now we just need to find a new place for them. Yeah, I think it's interesting looking at it from a Christian perspective. Like there might be there's something coded in there. Now you know, just to be fair, yeah. um, you know, I'm a Catholic, and so I, right. I think Catholics would probably be the least equipped to answer these questions. Like half these niggas don't even read the Bible. I could probably go to my mother-in-law. She's Catholic too right now and tell her the nightmare before Christmas is a biblical parable. She would believe me. So I don't think they're really equipped to answer the question of like, what is the soul and what is like (laughs) the Christian argument? Like, like a lot, cause you can, like there is Catholic like Thomas Aquinas and stuff, but your average in the pews Catholic, they they wouldn't know how to do this in a way that maybe, Maybe even a Calvinist could. I don't know. I, you're, you're I'm not sure. Cult. I'm not sure. Calvin. Well, the reason Calvinists are called the frozen chosen and also are called eggheads for a reason. Um, you know, they, they're they very much. Uh, what was it? Calvin was called God's lawyer. Um, yeah. So maybe they love know. this. They love transhumanism. I don't think they do. But I do know a lot of computer programmers who are uh, Calvinists. I think actually literally almost. Let's say I know eight computer programmers in my life and let's say seven of them are calvinists so maybe there's something to that i'm not sure well 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 looks like someone has a lot of calvinist links yes i wonder (laughs) why that would be maybe because i am also a calvinist oh shit okay oh but yeah no but i'm very much a loose like i'm not gonna be um you know i'm sure there's people out there who's like way better at the theology Tell you mm-hmm. what I am. I'm a Calvin Candyist from oh. Django Unchained. <laughs> you just say the N word a lot. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm that guy as a yeah, religion. Like, like somebody, <laughs> somebody arrests you. Like, hey man, you can't. It's it's my religion. So yeah, I'm showing up. Like, what if Calvin Candy was Christ? Just how about, yelling, how about just that? yelling it in the <laughs> yelling it in the ghetto, and they're like, "We're gonna kill you." And he's like, "No, man, it's my religion. It's okay." All right, man. All I'm saying is how about that? How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I feel sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that's probably a good place to end. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. So any final thoughts before we wrap it up or. Uh, Well, like I said, um, again, just to reiterate, I'm not trying Mm. to attack anyone particular no. in the scene like there's lots Keith of people Woods, who, we are coming for you um yeah, for different reasons just yeah mostly because you're irish and i'm i'm from i'm northern irish so i have to um well i'm know. also i'm trying to start a nasty rumor that keith woods and morgoth are the same guy and i'm just trying to see maybe well i thought they were <laughs> the accent just, just hey, I, let's see if this has legs but anyway i'm not trying to take on anyone i know there's a lot of people under scene um i just i i think it's more interesting and more relevant than I think people give it credit for. And I think once you apply a bit of imagination and do a little bit of research, they'll be surprised at what's being done right now and how this can affect their lives nationally and politically. Yeah. And personally, I think, um, I think what I would say to anybody who is investigating AI, um, is they may have some reticence towards it. And I totally understand. But there's a Greek word that my friend taught me recently, uh, 
epoche, which means to withhold judgment until you have uh, a fuller picture of the situation. And, and that's just what I would urge to anybody who's skeptical of it is to just keep an open mind and to think about it um, with the possibilities that good could come of it and what good can you use it for in your life and what ways could we be using it uh, towards our ends. And also, lastly, don't let shitty sci-fi lull you into a false sense of security. <laughs> yeah. Like science fiction generally, like I'm not trying to get up in a psyop thing, but I do think that a lot of science fiction gives people a false sense of security and they know they have a new scenario that they can prepare for, but the scenarios are always pretty reductive. So nothing ever happens the way that you think it's going to happen. Not exactly. Anyways, um, the black swan is always lurking. That's one part I liked about Dune was in the lore of Dune. It's a world mm -hmm. without AI and like on purpose. And they had to like work around that. I thought that was probably yeah, an, under, was... an under appreciated part of that series. For sure. Yeah. I think like the Mentats and stuff, I thought that was a really cool idea of just we replace machines with humans. But even yeah. then there's no human, the humanity has been altered, right? They're not, fully they're not human in the way that we would look at them like exactly. they're specialized machines now well and that's you know we didn't talk about this about yeah. like the mk ultra stuff like turning people into machines through the creative application of trauma yeah we can do that to ourselves as well through um like we can learn things that way as well but uh, we don't need to go down to that path at the moment yeah. but we'll do that next time how about that yeah some other time we'll, we'll deep dive into mk ultra and k lines and yeah alter mind altering drugs which you know none of which you should take i was going to say before we go if anyone wants yes. to hear more from me check out bloodsatellite.ca and that's all i'll say about that bloodsatellite.ca everyone check it out uh sunflower society tm dot uh t.me slash sunflower society and uh you can check out our first ever uh, edition of the Sunflower Society magazine. And uh, we're planning on coming up with a second one sometimes, sometime quarter 2013. Uh, the next theme is going to be um, freedom in an unfree world. And so if that interests you, uh, please come uh, check it out uh, when it's released. And if you're interested in submitting something for the magazine, uh, I definitely recommend you read the magazine first to get an idea of the vibe. And then to send us a email with your suggested um, topic that you would like to write on to sunflower society mag at protonmail.me. That's sunflower society mag at protonmail.me. Well, thank you uh, for coming today, Dimes. And um, I guess we can wrap it up here. All right. Thanks again for having me on. I had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Bye.